Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. I'm so pleased to bring you a conversation today with my friend, Corey Andrews. We first met Corey and her husband, Tracy, back in 2018 when they attended a retreat here at the Refuge in Arkansas just a few months after their daughter, Sadie, had gone to heaven. They were broken and sorrowful, yet consistently pointed everyone in the group to the hope we have in Jesus. We had such a great conversation the other day, it ended up going well past our typical podcast length, so I've decided to share it over two episodes. I hope you'll listen in today to hear about the 1,167 days God gave Sadie and what he's been teaching Corey about issues of forgiveness, fear, and his sovereignty. Then be sure and come back next week to hear the rest of our conversation. Thanks again for joining us today. Hi, Corey. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hey, good morning. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm looking forward to our visit. So let's get started just by giving you an opportunity to tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us where you're from and what life is like for you there. Well, we are from Alabama, and we recently moved, actually, to Dadeville almost three years to the day that Sadie passed away. Um, My husband, Tracy, and I have been married for 13 years this May, and we have five children still with us um, that are ages 11, 9, 8, and twin five-year-olds. Sadie was our number four child. Mm-hmm. Um, that born by birth, I actually also, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I actually also, uh, miscarried two. So yes. I have three children awaiting me in heaven. Yes. Um, I was a homeschooling mom, uh, up until this past November when grief brain and the overwhelmingness of it after three years of doing homeschooling, uh, pa- after Sadie passed away just took me to an emotional, mental breakdown. I felt like that if I don't put my children in school, then Mm -hmm. that this just isn't a good thing right now. And I say that because I have already met multiple homeschooling moms that are even wrestling with, man, do I put them in school? Do I not? Because this is so overwhelming and I can't do this anymore. And um, I believe that God had us homeschool for three years after Sadie. And I think Everybody's journey is different, but for us, it kept me focused. It gave me a purpose every morning. We didn't do it perfectly. It was very, God uh, gave me much grace um, to do that. And um, the children are catching up in things that I may have missed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're in Christian school right now. But uh, another interesting fact about me, I was named after Corey Ten Boom who, when the Nazis were uh, murdering the Jews, Corey yes. and her family, Christians, were hiding the Jews. Mm-hmm. And um, they never discovered them, but the Nazis did suspect, and they imprisoned in concentration camps Corey and family. Yes. And where that comes into play for me, God's given me a unique opportunity, because part of Corey's testimony that applies to my life is the message of forgiveness. Because Corey was the only 
person to live out of her family after being imprisoned in a concentration camp. God used her literally all over the world to spread the message of God's hope, love, and forgiveness. And I believe that's part of the glimpse of what he's, why I was, that name was chosen for me. You know, scripture says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And I didn't used to like my name, but I've embraced it now because of that testimony. Because Uh, Though I've not met the owners of where my daughter passed away, and though they never intentionally murdered my daughter, um, their negligence did. And if I, uh, if it were leapt up to my human flesh, then yes, I would become very bitter. But then that would put me in a prison. That's right. And, um, And so I believe at some point... God is going to allow our paths to cross. And I can say this now, and obviously it will be very different then when I come face to face. It's easy to say. It's much harder to do, but to extend God's love and forgiveness. I have been told that that family may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I do wonder, is that even part of God's purpose and plan eventually? Yes. So that's just a little bit about um, me and yeah, my name. and I read the book The Hiding Place as a young teenager and um, mm-hmm. was fascinated by Corey Ten Boom's story. I've read that book over and over, actually, through the years. And I remember one of the most powerful parts of her testimony is when she did come face to face, when she was yes. speaking in a church, right? Yes. With one of the yes. guards from the concentration yes. camp and actually forgave yes. him. Face to face. So, yeah, we'll pray that God gives you that opportunity one day. And if that opportunity presents itself, that you will be prepared to do that, that he'll give you the strength to do that is what I should say, because that is not something you could do on your own. That's right. That's right. But for the grace of God. Yes. Amen. So, you know, one of our favorite things as bereaved parents is to talk about our children that are in heaven. And I would love to just hear a little bit about Sadie's personality from you. Sadie actually called herself Corey Jr., Coey Jr. <laughs> and uh, so much like her mama, she was the outgoing one. She she didn't walk. She skipped and she ran everywhere. She greeted everybody with a smile Um, One of the unique things about Sadie that was different than our other children, she she did have a contagious smile. Mm -hmm. She could light up a room when she walked in, and she made you feel welcome. Um, She would be the one of my children, no fear, and she would go meet people and um, shake their hand, you know, hi, I'm Sadie, and, and then asking them their name. And she was only three. Yeah. Um, she loved people. She, um, was actually my fastest labor, quickest labor, yeah. home birth entered this world. Uh, total labor time was two hours and she left this world quickly. Mm, yes. Um, and, um, she loved the colors pink and purple, but yet what was different again about her as opposed to other little girls her favorite color was yellow, and I always thought that was unique because um, when you look at the salvation bracelet that I th- know that Baptist churches have used to talk about salvation, yes. yellow is the color for heaven. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. loved butterflies, which I I knew growing up 
um, that butterflies are a symbol for the Christian life. The, you know, the struggle in the cocoon and then the old becoming new. And um, But yet what I didn't learn that somebody told me after Sadie's passing was, yes, and butterflies also have short lives. Oh, yes. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, she loved to sing. She was out of all my children, the one that was constantly singing praises to God and just random in the garage as she's walking around, you know, getting on her bike and putting her helmet on. Um, the wise man built his house upon the walk, you know, and her favorite song. Uh, our, my husband would lead a um, we have a nightly family worship time. And if he's out of town, then I lead that. Um, but we would give our children the time to request what song do they want to sing. Sadie was always the first to sing and Sadie, um, or to say what she wanted to sing and her favorite song two months specifically before she ran into Jesus's arms was Jesus loves me. Mm. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And, um, there was one, story that my husband shared with me whenever he took Sadie to the store with him that he she made this woman just made her day she just began talking to her and this was a retired black teacher Mm -hmm. and and that woman ended up sharing with my husband you have no idea how your little girl made my day just by engaging in conversation with her and um she just that faith of a child, you know, just um, unconditionally love and accepted people without pretense. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like she just exuded sunshine. That's what I think of when I, I know her favorite color is yellow from she did. just from knowing you. And I just always think of her as just sunshine. Yes, she did. That's why rainy days are hard for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So she also really enjoyed hymns, too, didn't she? She did. And ironically, the hymn that I had taught them the week before Sadie ran into Jesus's arms was A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And um, ironically, I don't think it's ironic. God, God orchestrated it the Sunday, the day after, which was Sunday, uh, that Sadie passed away. Um, we didn't just go to our church service, but our children were involved in a children's choir with another church because our church didn't have that mm-hmm. uh, opportunity. So we went to two church services that day because they were um, singing. And the hymns that were already chosen, or the songs that were already chosen, two of them specifically were hymns. And... Um, one of them was the solid rock on Christ, the solid rock. I stand all other ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness. And I did that backwards on purpose, mm-hmm. but, um, and then the, and then the next song was a mighty fortress is our God. Yeah. And I just wept because G- Sadie at three years of age knew what bulwark meant. I didn't even know yeah, until I looked amazing. it up and that it's a strong, he's a strong tower and a, a wall and um, fortress for us. Yeah. And um, so I just thought that was interesting how 
though there's many Christian songs out there, the lyrics of hymns have been the most comforting because there's such depth Mm -hmm. to them Mm -hmm. theologically. Yes. And also most of the hymns are taken from, I've been learning uh, from people that have also walked through various trials. Yes. Yes. And it shows in the lyrics. That's correct. Yes. Exactly. They come from a very deep place. Yes. So one day in the fall of 2017, your family went to an ice cream shop. Uh, something that families do all the time. Uh, talk about what happened that day. Yes. Yeah, so we had gone to lunch. Saturday was our family fun day. And because my husband at that time was traveling a lot, I very specifically made sure to guard our family time. So Saturday was spent as a family and we went out to lunch that day and then it was getting near their nap time all my children at that point in time still took a rest time or a nap time and we um, had done this a few times prior and they really enjoyed it that we could go get ice cream and they put these cute little googly eye things candy eyes on the ice cream and just made it fun for the kids and because we had multiple kids that were under the height limit that they had set Mm -hmm. um they most of our kids got free ice cream so that was a win (laughs) as a mom with six children you know that's a win so um it was my idea and i said hey honey why don't we just take them and treat them to ice cream even though it's right before their nap time and and then they can run and play a little bit because there was a grassy field that had picnic tables Mm -hmm. and trash cans in it and, um, and they can run off some energy and then we can go put them down for a nap. Right. And he said, yeah, that's a great idea. So we got our ice cream, we were eating and Piper and Kason and Sadie, um, had finished first and Piper had asked my husband, Hey daddy, can we go play in the field? And we were watching them. There was this table across, across the little drive through and, and, uh, Tracy walked them over. And then walked back and um, literally I was feeding the twins their last bite of ice cream and Sabrina was finishing her last bite. My husband turned his head to for two seconds to put his trash in the trash can. I then was going across that little where the drive through was with with the twins and Sabrina. And I saw Piper and I casing and I did not see Sadie and I had trained our children to come when I called their name and, or to answer me at least. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and so I said, Hey, where's Sadie? And they said, we don't know. And I, so I said, Sadie, fully expecting, yes, ma'am. And I heard nothing. Mm-hmm. And this is open field. And I'm at this point beginning to panic because they had always come. Sure. And, uh, so then I said her name again, Sadie. And she didn't come. She didn't answer. At this point, I'm looking at my husband with panic and I'm yelling, Sadie! And nothing. Mm. So I, then, um, he's coming over and he's looking. There were some bushes that had had some berries along and they had looked in those at one point. So he thought, well, maybe she went there. So he ran mm-hmm. that way. I'm putting the rest of the children in the van and telling them my daughter is missing. I thought she had been abducted at this point. Sure. And so I 
asked the employees, I need to use your phone. I've got to call 911. My daughter's missing. So I'm on the phone with 911. One of the employees went and sat with our children in the van, and there was no one there that we had seen. Um, they did have a gazebo behind the building, so we just thought, well, maybe somebody whipped around that drive-thru and shoved her in, grabbed her and shoved her in. We never saw. And my husband, you know, this all took place in a matter of minutes, but it felt like an eternity. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. And um, at this point, I'm texting our family, please pray, Sadie's missing. And they're like, what's going on? And so anyway, um, uh, police came. By this point, when the police had come and the ambulances arrived, my husband, we both actually, I believe God led us there. Um, and we were literally standing over our daughter. We never thought to look beneath us. Right. Because we had no idea that there was anything unsafe in this grassy field right. that w- our children had played in a few times before. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my husband just happened to glance down and he noticed two lids and he thought, this is odd. What's this? And one of them he noticed was facing up and the other was reversed. And he thought, that doesn't look right. So he literally flung it like a Frisbee. It was not secured, and he's looking down in the sludge. It was a grease trap, and there was, he didn't see anything, but Sadie had on a little crimson uh, Alabama shirt that her grandmother had given her, and just um, a couple months before for her birthday, and um, he caught a glimpse of red, and so he reached his hand down and pulled her up. This, This grease trap was six feet deep we learned later Mm -hmm. and she couldn't swim so what had happened we learned later thankfully because i mean we were even being investigated because why would our child just you know did we push her in all Mm -hmm. this different things we didn't understand that they didn't let me hold her at the hospital jill (sighs) which now i realize is a mercy of god in disguise Mm -hmm. because I had even tried to perform CPR on her and about threw up because of the stench. Mm. And um, so to have held her um, with that, I think, would have been yeah. horrible. Right. And, right. and asking God, you know, why? And, and I believe that God's mercy in disguise, it happened quickly. Mm. I Googled as a mom, you want to know. Yeah. Um, God, how long, if any, did my child suffer? I personally believe that as soon as she stepped on that lid, that her soul, Jesus said, come on, my child, you're with me. Amen. And, um, but her physical body, yes, um, suffered about maybe 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. And, um, so anyway, they said that it would have, she would have been brain dead. And I just thought, man, Lord, that would have been harder Mm -hmm. to have her here because like that, Mm -hmm. because she's so full of life. And again, God's a God of miracles, but so that's what happened that day. We we were rushed to the hospital the whole time. I'm praying, God, I believe you're a, God, a miracle-working God. And I had just seen a movie with my husband on a date. I can't remember the name of it. I think it's Miracles from Heaven, where a little girl from Texas had fallen down a tree, and she had had something wrong with her that they didn't know it was wrong with her. And she should have died from falling in the tree, yet God used that to heal her, and she's still alive. Right. And... I now see that as all these different ways that God was using to prepare me, mm-hmm. she's not going to be here much longer. Right. And I didn't realize that I can see it now 
Um, there were multiple things. But um, so then we come home from the hospital and we're cleaning up in the shower. By this time, you know, our, our babysitter did come to get our children. Mm-hmm. She just happened to not be working there that day, which I know was God yeah. lining her up. Right. And um, and then Tracy and I were dro- driven home from the hospital and we showered off and I just looked through, looked at him and just cried because my next fear was um, that then this, our marriage would dissolve in divorce because we had been, we already knew three couples personally that had experienced the loss of a child and all three of them, you know, it's like there was this blaming each other and then they didn't turn to the Lord and, um, and all three entered a divorce. And so I just looked at him and said, please tell me, please tell me that's not going to be us. Mm. And right then, as we're cleaning the stench off of us, he, we committed ourselves yes. that by the grace of God, no, we are committed till death parts us. And it, it does have to be a choice because it hasn't been easy. And you know it's not easy, and especially because we've chosen to take a, take a stand for Christ, Satan has been attacking our marriage. Of course, yes. And um, then we told our children, and I, Sabrina, I remember screaming, and and the little ones didn't understand. Kaysen, our, who was four at the time, just thought she was lost, and why can't we find her? Yeah. Um, so it's been a journey to even explain to him, baby, she's with Jesus. Well, then I want to go where she is, Yeah, you know? And, um, so that's what happened that day. Yeah. So explain a little bit what happened with the grease trap. How did she fall in there? So grease traps are supposed to, well, they, it was a plastic lid, which as you know, plastic through time and the elements as it's exposed to the elements dry rots and or as it's screwed in and unscrewed then the screws get that strips right the right. plastic and um it was not screwed in um it uh, was very weathered and um so literally what happened was as we were told later uh that she stepped on the lid because as we were being investigated I um, I said, surely there was a camera there somewhere mm-hmm. at the drive. And there was, there was a drive through camera that was actually only a motion camera, but it, by God's grace and his, this was a miracle to me. It picked up her wow. stepping on that lid and the lid flipped. She fell in and it flipped back on top of her. Mm-hmm. And the coroner said that literally happened in two seconds. And so, you know, we, we received a lot of flack. I, I didn't see it because I was, uh, advised stay off social media, stay mm-hmm. off because there are some cruel people that really don't know what they're talking about right. because no parent, no parent can watch their children 24 seven. That's exactly right. Exactly. So. But yeah, that's what happened with, yeah. with the lid that it, uh, was plastic. She stepped on it and it just flipped to where she could fall in and then flipped back on top of her. Just so hard to imagine how that could happen. But those things, things like that do happen, don't they? And I know that's kind of part of your yes. story. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Yes. But your story was very public. Um, yes. so, uh, 
I know it reached people even internationally. So how did you deal with having to grieve in public? We went from being family of eight that just really nobody knew us, you know, and it wasn't because, I mean, we were involved in our neighborhood and things like that, but we were not at all. It it felt like we were these unwanted movie stars. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember after the first, one of the first interviews and when my sister actually shared, Corey, this is going national and international. I already know it's been in these like seven countries and she named those. And at that moment, I literally felt like Jesus's mother, Mary, where I just, it was like I sat back and went, and I pondered all these things in my heart and said, okay, God, okay, there is a purpose for this pain that is way bigger than me and my family. Please help us to be faithful with what you've now entrusted to us because he, he did thrust us into the public eye, into the media. We ended up, so I then had this sense of God, please help us to do nothing or say nothing to distract or to deter what you're trying to accomplish through this. There was also fear for me because there had been another child in our area that had been kidnapped, uh, older child. And, um, I thought, my goodness, if people, and they do know because of how public it was, um, that there was a lawsuit and we did not file a lawsuit to get back at Brewster's or to uh, out of vengeance. We filed a lawsuit to raise awareness that this doesn't need to happen again. Yes. And we explained it to our children. It's like when you don't obey and follow rules that we set or parameters or boundaries, then you get a consequence. Why? Because we're trying to protect you and train you. So, um, I, I then, I wrestled with, if my husband had to go out of town again, I wrestled with fear of somebody breaking in and, and kidnapping our children. And, um, I believe that that was the enemy attacking Mm -hmm. in fear because God's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Mm -hmm. So it was the truth, Jill, that God brought to mind gratefully, um, because it's the truth that sets us free. And so um, it also, even now, is challenging because people will say, I know exactly who you are. I remember that story. And so they know us because of a tragedy. That's hard. Not just know us for, we're a family with six children and our homeschooling or just normal stuff. Right. We're being known through pain, heartache, and suffering. Yeah, you guys have walked so faithfully, though, in that and have used this very much unwanted platform for good. And uh, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, me too. (laughs) Um, And I believe it definitely, I believe that God has called multiple families. Why? You know, because so that we can point people to hope with a capital H yes. because hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And I believe that the world is desperately looking for hope and for authentic 
Christianity. And um, so I do believe that Sadie was chosen. I do believe that our families, it's not just Sadie. Right, right. It's, I, and I believe that God's entrusted each family, each Christian family, with different stra- struggles, suffering, trials, classrooms, uh, so that we can then identify with other people and say, I can now comfort you with the same comfort that I've been comforted. You and I, Jill, would never know what to say to another person, another mom, another family who has had a child pass away if we ourselves had not experienced it. And it's not our children passed away through completely different circumstances, yet the end result is the same. There's still this deep, gut-wrenching heartache that we now know how to minister to because of what God, how He has faithfully been bringing healing and restoration to us through the Word of God, through investing in other people. That's right. Yeah, we've been entrusted with a gift that is a difficult gift to carry. And, yes. uh, you yes. know, sometimes you think, well, is it really a gift? But it, but it is. It, it is. is. Um, and we have this privilege, this, this honor, really, of sharing mm-hmm. in Christ's sufferings and being able to yes. use that to minister to others. So, yes. yeah. Well, and I know, I know you, and I know you have really leaned heavily on God's word since Sadie went to heaven. Um, and even as you're speaking, there's scripture just, just flowing in and out of just about every sentence you're saying. What are some particular scriptures that have been especially meaningful to you in this journey? There's multiple. <laughs> I figured I, there were. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even have all of them written down. Right. But um, to talk about, you know, when people say, I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah. That's the typical phrase, right? Yes, it is. And what God gave me was, you know, I really didn't lose her because she was a gift from God merely on loan to me because his word, Psalm 127, 3 says, children are a gift from the Lord. Mm. Happy is he that has his quiver full of them. And um, then others talking about God's sovereignty, because obviously you wrestle with why God, why my child? Yes. Um, what did I do wrong? Or, you know, is this because of my sin or whatever? Um, God's sovereignty out of Psalm 39 and Psalm 139 and recently, uh, well, I'm going to give you the specific verses, but Psalm 39, 4 and 5 that says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Mm-hmm. It's merely but a breath. Mm-hmm. Each life is but a breath. Yes. And Psalm 139, 16, and I'm, I may butcher this, but it's basically saying the same thing that before we were even formed, um, that our days were written in his yes. book. Yes. And and then in Job 14:5 this is something that I recently discovered which was so cool because I've gone back to the life of Job. That's why I believe God put the life of Job in the Bible. Yes. Because it's raw, real suffering. Yes. And uh when I compare my classroom of suffering even to Job's and mine pales in comparison. Mm-hmm. Though I have had Sadie pass away and I've miscarried too and there's been other classrooms of suffering in the midst of all of that, but uh, Job 14, 5 even says that we will not live one month or one minute longer mm-hmm. than what he's ordained. That's right. Um, the verse that God gave me actually December 31st, 2016, 
uh, a friend of mine in Texas, we were just talking and encouraging one another, and she's walked a much different road of suffering. Um, And she was just sharing how each year, at the end of each year, she asks the Lord to give her a word for the next year. And I just, (laughs) if she could have seen me through the phone, I would have looked at her like this. Okay, what does that mean? (laughs) What does that look like? I've never heard that. That sounds a little weird. Tell me about that. Uh So she shared that sometimes that would be, she would do a word study in the word of God through that, or God would just give her a verse that that word just spoke to her. And then at the end of the next year, she would look back and recall how God wove that word through her life in that year. Yes. So I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do that. December 31st, 2016, I said, God, would you please give me a word for 2017? And I was reading in Romans 15, and Romans 15, 13 is what stuck out to me. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope. So my word, since it was twice in that section of Scripture, was hope. And a friend of mine that year had given me a wooden sign that said hope that I had displayed in my window, kitchen window. Um, my sister-in-law actually gave me a necklace after Sadie's passing and none of which, none of these people knew the significance of God knew I needed to cling to him and his word. Psalm 119, 114, that he says my, that my word is your source of hope. Yes. Um, that they had no idea why, but that on October 14th, 2017, I needed to cling to God and his word, my sources of hope. That's right. Um, he also has given me through Elizabeth Elliot, who you also know, yes. has walked through many classrooms of suffering mm-hmm. in different ways, but faithfully through her suffering, pointing us to Christ, our source of hope. And she, um, she said, heaven is not here. It's there. If we were given all we wanted here, we would settle for this world rather than the next. But God is forever luring us up and away from this one, wooing us to himself and his still invisible kingdom where we will certainly find what we so keenly long for. And the verse that God gave me with that is 2 Corinthians uh, 4.16 that basically says, Corey, don't fix your eyes and your gaze on what is here. It's temporary, but rather fix your gaze on what is unseen, a.k.a. heaven. Right, exactly. Because what is unseen is eternal. So that uh, that's when I'm down and when I'm discouraged and when I'm having a really hard day, God reminds me to fix my gaze heavenward. This is why for me, I don't choose to go to the gravesite because it takes me back to the that day and it takes my eyes or my gaze off of heaven and off of the goal right. and puts my eyes back on the grave right. and the tragedy you know um then the, the next year again i asked god to give me a word and the word he gave me was out of psalm 71 verses 20 through 21 it says, you have suffered much, but I will restore you yes. to life again and lift you up from the depths of the earth. And at the end, at 
uh, in verse 21, at the end of it, it says, and comfort you once again. Um, so I believe that from that year, my word was restore. And how does he bring restoration? Mm-hmm. And so God's using his word to uh, just the promises and the truth of his word, Jill, have been and are what continue to carry me. That and the prayers of many. That has been the the keys for me is to stay. It, it doesn't mean you have to read chapters of the Bible because you and I both know with grief brain, you can't absorb and you cannot retain exactly yes much of what you're reading. And it's overwhelming. So somebody, and I wish I knew who, because I would thank them profusely. It's something that I now use to give into hope baskets. Uh, it's just little cards uh-huh. that are personalized with scripture. And I just had one of those a day. And then I would purposely post different scriptures like Isaiah 41, 10. Don't be afraid, Corey. I am your God. I am with you. I will help you. I will strengthen you and I will uphold you. And I probably said those out of order, but that's the gist of it. Yes. But I had that on my laundry room door because I needed to see the truth. Corey in first Thessalonians to rejoice always, mm-hmm. to in everything give thanks. It doesn't feel good. Right. It doesn't look good. How am I supposed to thank God for my worst happening, yeah. my worst nightmare? Yeah. How am I supposed to do that? And and lastly, for now anyway, Second um, Corinthians six uh, ten, the first part of it says. Um, Though our hearts ache, this was in the New Living Translation, though our hearts ache, we can always have joy. Mm. And that was 2 Corinthians 6.10a, the first part of that verse. And my thought and literally how I talked to the Lord, I said, God, you tell me how I'm supposed to have joy in the midst of my worst nightmare happening. Jill, he's so faithful. He didn't answer me that day. But the very next morning through version Bible app that's on, that was on my phone, mm-hmm. the verse of the day popped up and the verse of the day was Psalm 1611. Corey, in my presence is fullness of joy. So how do you have joy in the midst of deep suffering and heartache by being in his presence? How do you do that? Even as simple as turning on a worship song or a hymn to bathe your mind in truth. So you're hearing the word of God, putting a verse, just one verse of truth to combat the many lies of the enemy. I think of your Brad Mm -hmm. telling us, put on that helmet of salvation and put on your armor. Yes. So the word is your sword, you know, and putting it on um, to combat the lies because as grieving parents, we are so vulnerable yes, and we are so weak. So being careful with what we're putting into our minds and what we're listening to, I say to all grieving parents, the only source of truth is the word of God right. that brings healing, that brings restoration, that you can pray over. There is an answer truly for every walk of life and a promise to to pray over like when you're afraid this is how i'm teaching my children when you're afraid you can trust in him trust in him at all times pour out your heart before him because he is a refuge for you psalm 62 8 and there's so many but um the truth is what sets us free. That's right. Well, and so often bereaved parents will talk about how they just don't feel the presence of God. 
you know, and I think I love yes. what you said about just put one verse in front of your face, you know, put it on your bathroom mirror or on the door to the kitchen or whatever. Um, listen to one praise and worship song. Put yourself yes. in a position where yes. you can feel the presence of the Lord. Um, I think that we have to make that choice to do that. I agree. And and what I would say in addition to this, you know, we didn't feel like going to church right. the very next day. And I don't say this to brag on me or my husband. Well, I will brag on my husband because this is how God used him to be the spiritual leader of our home. That it was just, that's what we did, period. Every, every Sunday we would go to church. So as much as possible for him, that was what he did for his, I don't think he even realized how God was using this choice to as a protection for us and our family and to put us into the presence of God. I can't tell you what the pastor spoke or even the songs that were sung other than the second worship service that we went to where those two hymns were sung that were just like such a gift from the Lord that he sees, he hears, he knows, and he understands and that he is um, that bulwark. Mm -hmm. He's that strong fortress that I can run to in my deepest fears of God. How am I going to do this? How am I going to move and put one foot in front of the other? But it it was a choice to go and be around other believers so that, I mean, they couldn't believe we were there, Jill, their mouths dropped open. But it was, we knew we needed the body of Christ surrounding us. Um, because if nothing else, whether they hugged us or not, they knew exactly because of how public it was to pray. Yes. <laughs> They're here. So we need to pray for them. Right. Right. Um, and, and the body of Christ can be wonderful about that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people often really feel awkward around a parent that has lost a child because they don't know what to say. And I was certainly one of those people before. And even now, you know, I find mm-hmm. myself sometimes just without words. But what advice would you give to someone who maybe has a friend that has lost a child? Um, how do you feel like people can best minister to grieving parents? Thank you for asking. Yeah. Uh, I believe, and I actually shared with a friend who had the courage to say, I just don't know what to say. And I told her, you don't have to know what to say. Just be present. Yes. Whether that means sending me a text, I'm thinking about you, I'm praying for you, or, um, If God gives you a verse, not everybody receives that well. I did because I knew that it was the truth that was setting me free, but not everybody does. And I realized that, but I would, I would say to ask God, you know, God gives to the, when, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. When you don't know what to say, and if you're a believer in Christ and you have a relationship with Christ, then you shoot that flare prayer and say, God, help. I need you. Please use me to encourage and comfort this friend mm-hmm. or this family member. And so just be present. Be available. Please don't say, if you need anything, call me. We don't remember. Right. We won't remember. We're in such a grief fog. We don't remember what to cook. I didn't know what was in the refrigerator. I didn't know what. To, so there were people that were coming in and out of our house. It was like a revolving door. And I'm, I'm so grateful. My husband, who is not the extrovert, said, please come. You don't have to call and ask us. Just come. And uh, so I would say to be intentionally active, to pray 
for those families. Don't just say you're going to pray. Call them and pray over them. Or go by their home and pray over them and with them. And hand them that tissue. Mm. Be present. So don't be intentional to be active, to pray, to text, to check on, to set up that meal train for them. For us, what worked the best was every other day. Right. Because we ended up, because again, ours was so public, we ended up, I mean, we had like three houses, refrigerators literally filled with food that we were then giving food away to the firemen and to the police station and whoever else needed it. Um. That ultimately is the best way that you, in my opinion, that you can help them. And don't just think that, oh, after a year, they should be past this. Because here I am almost four years into this, and I still have grief brain. But to be very patient with us, because we may repeat ourselves. We may just cry at the drop of a hat. And do not be afraid to bring up our child's name. Yes, we're going to cry. Cry with us. Scripture says, weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. So we've had to actually educate. Sadly, we've had to educate even our families to say, you know, when you don't bring up Sadie's name, it's actually hurtful as if she never existed. And so please do bring up her name. And if we cry, that's okay. But it does help bring healing to us. Yeah, that's all great advice. Great advice for people. I know, you know, this podcast is for bereaved parents, but there are a lot of people who listen, not because they're a bereaved parent themselves, but because they love someone who is. And so hearing advice like what you just said is very, very helpful for them. Other practical ways people helped us. Um, we're giving gift cards. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many hundreds and hundreds of dollars probably that were given to us, maybe even thousands. I don't know. I didn't keep track. Right. Um, but that eliminated the pressure off of me yes. to go grocery shopping, to plan a meal, to prepare a meal, to clean up that meal, um, bringing paper plates, paper goods, toilet paper, just those I mean, they went to Sam's and got huge cases of toilet paper and just the practical needs that we can't think, oh, we need this Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, plastic forks. So we didn't have to do dishes, the plasticware, the paper plates, the napkins, the plastic cups. Um, There were people that came over and did our laundry. You have to be sensitive with that because, again, I am kind of type A and, and, uh, I do usually, I had a very specific way of doing things. Uh However, I greatly, deeply appreciated when others came over and cleaned and did the things because with the grief brain, you literally don't even have the energy some days to get out of bed. Yeah. So to come and fix that peanut butter and jelly sandwich for my child, there was a family in my church, a mom that came over this, just came to my mind and would come bathe my children. Oh my goodness. When I couldn't remember to do it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so there's so many practical ways, um, to, if you don't like or enjoy cooking, um, to give that gift card mm-hmm. um, because it, it actually was, it was beneficial in multiple ways. I already shared the ways for me. It was beneficial as far as I didn't have to plan, go to the store, prepare, clean up, but also it got us out of the house, yes. away from the house where then mm-hmm. you don't feel like you want to retreat. 
when you're grieving, you want to retreat, but it forced us to get out right. in public and get away mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and do something together so that, as a family eating. Yeah. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. Um, I know for me, uh, of course, I had just one surviving child at home, but one of the things that was most helpful for me was when somebody did something for Bethany, you know, mm-hmm. took her somewhere, yes. took her to a movie yes. or or got her a gift or just something with her so that I knew she was taken care of, that she wasn't sitting at home with us being sad all the time, mm. that, um, you know, somebody took time and, and, and did things with mm. her. So I would imagine that would be very helpful with younger children as well. And many people did offer. And now I will say, because our children were so young and because our child disappeared in a matter of seconds, we didn't trust our children with other people. They did offer. So we we did not allow that. Um, It was actually, I'm still shocked, I know it to be God, that we actually even left our children with my parents four months into the journey to come to the while we're raiding retreat. But we saw very clearly how God orchestrated that and opened up that date. Uh, So we went, but even during that time, I wrestled with a lot of fear um, to trust that really God is in control. And if I trust and believe that God is sovereign, then he can take care of my children way better than I can. But again, being in the beginning, early stages of that, I very much wrestled with not trusting my children oh, sure. with people. Now, I was grateful for those that blessed them by giving. But again, it was almost like Christmas on steroids yes, because it can be too there much. were people yeah. all over the country. So I appreciated when they mailed it maybe to me and then it allowed us the freedom to give it to them, to bless them at whatever time or whatever would be beneficial versus overload that then ended up creating a, a negative effect with my children of kind of this spoiled expectations and we've learned with multiple children that the less they have actually the more content they are and the better behaved they are. So, um, it, it, I appreciated the generosity of course. And I also valued those that left it up to us as the parents of when to give that gift. And we very much made sure that they knew this is how God chose to bless you through this person. That's a great idea. Good thoughts about that. This concludes the first half of my conversation with Corey. Please be sure to come back next week for a very practical discussion of issues we face every day as grieving parents, including my favorite part of our conversation, how to deal with that empty chair. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to sharing the rest of our discussion with you next Wednesday.